0: welcome back everybody to the oth football podcast this is our second episode covering college football just after the official well unofficial week one of the college (laughs) football season before we get started my name is george jeer i'm joined by david gillespie and ryan moran how are you guys doing this fine afternoon
1: i'm doing great how about you guys Doing great. Doing phenomenal.
2: Just uh, glad football is back in the mix. Man, we got only a couple days till the NFL rolls around. We're already in the mix of college football. Let's freaking go. Yeah, All I, right? <laughs> I, I,
0: am, uh, I spent way too much time watching football this weekend. Uh, <laughs> I, I just had a, a ton of fun. Before we get started with our football content, I just wanted to give a quick early shout-out. We'll get more into it at the end of the episode. A quick shout-out to our sponsor, Symbol. Everybody loves fantasy football everybody loves you know working in the stock market getting in some some stocks why can't you do both at the same time with our code OTH you can get a $10 deposit bonus on any deposit of $25 or more and uh, we'll, we'll remind you guys of that at the end and as we do at the start of every college football episode we're going to go through our top players of the weekend we've got one offensive player of the week one defensive player of the week I'm going to wait and do mine last. We're going to start and roll over to Ryan.
1: All righty. So offensively, I'm going to start with one of my favorite players in the country in Chris Olave. I mean, oh, I absolutely yeah. love the player. Uh, watching him the last couple of years at Ohio State. Felt like last year, if he declared for the draft, he would have been a first-round pick. Um, he's just such a smooth player. And, I mean, you saw that last Thursday night. I mean, he's... He's got big playability. He tracks the deep ball really well. He's good after the catch. There's just nothing like not to love about his game. And uh, I mean, he went for over four, for over 100 yards, had two big touchdowns, and uh, was pivotal in Ohio State winning that game, close game in Minnesota. He put up a good fight. Who do you have defensively? defensively, just because I'm so big on the draft and I love following it. um, I really just wanted to talk about the edge group really getting out ahead and having a fast start this uh, last week. Yeah, obviously Kayvon Thibodeau is the headliner and rightfully Mm -hmm. so you saw him for Oregon the other day, the impact that he can make Um, keeping it with Ohio state, Zach Harrison, a really raw prospect who had two or three really, really nice plays uh, in that game against Minnesota. The big uh, forced fumble that led to a touchdown that was big in the outcome. You know, a couple other players I wanted to make note of, uh, Drake Jackson, George Loftus, uh Aiden Hutchinson, and uh, Will Anderson. So it was a really, really good start for the edge class, and uh, I'm excited to continue to keep going. Yeah, yeah, you hit the nail right
2: in the head with uh, especially that note of, of Will Anderson Jr. He was absolutely ferocious yeah. this, this past week. Um, I'm huge, huge, huge on him. And he's just, I think he's only a sophomore. Well, he's technically a junior, right?
1: I, I think, yeah, he might be his third Okay.
2: Yeah, I guess, yeah, it's technically I, – I, yeah, I was a little confused if he was technically a sophomore. Right. Sure and just, um, um, yeah,
0: all, all the years right now are, yeah. are kind of mixed. <laughs> After last year and everybody you know, getting that extra year, like hey. who's a senior, who's a junior, who's a super senior, who's Derek King, who's almost 25. Like It's,
2: <laughs> it's all – yeah, it's, it's all over the place, exactly. It's um crazy. For me – For me, I had to go with Kenneth Walker III, man. That dude was an absolute baller this last week uh, over Northwestern, man. I mean, he was a one-man wrecking crew, just trucking people left and right, using that speed. The first play, and this is coming after he just transferred from Wake Forest. First play of the game, he had a 75-yarder to the house. Just unbelievable, and that set the stage for the rest of the game. They had no answer for him from there on out. This guy, 23 carries for 264 yards with four touchdowns. Shifty, slippery, explosive. He had everything you'd want from a running back from the ground game In particular this past week And then defensively I'm going with a a bit of an an, You know An an unorthodox choice An FCS choice more so uh, With my pick Because the stat just, it, it just boggles my mind that, that UW would allow this to happen. The first time since 1920, people, 1920, before my grandparents were even born, that UW has lost to the Montana Grizzlies. They lost this past weekend 13-7. And a big reason why was because of the linebacker Marques, uh, Marcus Wellno. Uh He was absolutely phenomenal with 12 tackles, a sack, an interception, a pass breakup. Uh, This guy was all over the field. He had the game-winning, game-sealing interception to close it out. Made Dylan Harris just, his life a living hell during Saturday – and it, it, it's, <laughs> I'm sure it created a, a reverb effect for, for other players and for, for the, the program as a whole and for the fan, for the community of fans too uh, within the Husky uh, fan base um, uh, uh, in terms of that sort of depressing, you know, um, uh, de- sense of depression, I should say, for how they played in week one because it was rough, man. First time in 100 years, got to tip my hat to what he was able to accomplish on the defensive side of the ball.
0: Yeah, and and going, kind of leading off of that, Talk of an awesome, awesome defensive performance. My defensive player of the week has to be N'Kobe Dean out of Georgia. Their junior linebacker from from, uh, up in my neck of the woods, from Horn Lake, Mississippi. That's one where I kind of wish he uh, stayed in-state and went uh, uh, just a couple miles (laughs) south. Um, But besides the point, his stat line might not be exactly the most impressive but if you just have to watch some of his game tape he was so impactful three solo yeah. tackles two mm-hmm. sacks didn't didn't create any turnovers had only a total of five tackles but look he's an absolute leader on that Georgia defense and man as a whole like we're going to get into it a little bit more in depth when we talk about how uh, that Georgia Clemson game but man Dean was really the quarterback of that defense, helping direct other guys. You know, it's clear that he is is just able to read an offense extremely well, hit gaps when he has to, and even just direct other players to do what he knows is going to happen. And, man, he was just so impressive, so athletic, very fast. I would not be surprised. Um, If at some point, you know, his draft stock starts to rise, he is maybe a touch undersized for some people and, and some some teams at the next level might might be turned off by that. But, you know, he is still a supreme athlete and honestly, just a ton of fun to watch. Now for the offensive side of the ball, I'm less going for. Let's just say I'm not as much going for, you know, a traditional pick here in terms of, you know, t- true performance. Because, of course, I'd love to give an award out to Matt Corral or, or one of the Ole Miss guys because they had a great night. Mm-hmm. Even I wonder of, why. No, I'm, I'm not, not, But either <laughs> way. Like, I mean, I was even going to say even Bryce Young. Bryce Young was fantastic mm-hmm. for Alabama, especially in, in one of his first starts in, in, in early game time. But my pick has to go to Mackenzie Milton. The quarterback, mm-hmm. or I, I guess you could yep. say at this point, maybe – maybe future starter for the Florida yeah. State Seminoles, but just his story is just absolutely incredible. I mean, he goes from not having played since 2018, had more more than a life's fair share uh, of surgeries to uh, help repair his damaged leg, and then he just goes out late in the game. You could tell that him coming out on the field like he did Really, just galvanized the Florida yeah. State team. It, it was yeah. just such a shift. Uh, it was just night and day. You know, before with Travis, um, we're, we're going to talk about you know this this whole performance uh, a little bit later. But you go from Travis, who is just this young, uh, absolutely freak athlete, super <laughs> dynamic quarterback, but just didn't seem to be able to put it all together. And then you bring in this more veteran. He's clearly you know been around the block he he knows what he's doing quarterback that nobody honestly expected to see much of during this game and he just really turned it around for Florida State late and it, it was just a really gutsy performance like it, it's weird to say but his best play might have been an incompletion where on a bad snap he just has the recognition <laughs> and, and the mental makeup to just get the ball out of bounds. It'll be really interesting to see what he and the rest of that team do going forward through this season. So those were everybody's picks for the pick of the week, or the picks of the week, I should say. And with that said, now let's kind of take a a bigger look or or a deeper dive on some of the games from week one. And the first one we're going to go through is number four, Ohio State visiting Minnesota taking away a 14-point win, 45-31, to 31, which I'll be completely honest. I'm surprised that the game was really that close. You know, just, just going into the game, I knew good and well Ohio State's defense should still be very good, and Ohio State's offense, even with a new quarterback, they certainly have the talent in their skill positions, especially in, like with guys like Chris Olave. Mm-hmm um just a point one out which which yeah, we already kind boys. of have yeah uh and and can't even forget mine williams he was awesome to watch mm-hmm. he was i mean 125 yeah. yards on just nine carries and a mm-hmm. touchdown they didn't <laughs> this is crazy to say ohio state rushed the ball only 26 times and had a 200 rushing yards <laughs> in the game like that's just honestly yeah. pure dominance um and, That's Ohio State in a nutshell. Yeah, you know? and, and, and honestly, it was it was a balanced offensive effort. Yeah. You know, C.J. Stroud carried the ball, you know, just a couple times, which that kind of surprised me that they didn't try to utilize him more in the rushing game. But he went 13-22 for just under 300 yards, four touchdowns, only one pick, and he was a little bit slow in the early goings. Um, but he really picked it up. Uh, later in the game to kind of seal the win for Ohio State. Uh, what do you guys have as some kind of major takeaways from from this game?
1: So I would say, first of all, just seeing that Minnesota atmosphere was like amazing to start out, and I definitely think it made an impact on the game. Oh, yeah. Um, like you said, it was definitely a slow start for Stroud, and the first half wasn't impressive, but the second half, he really picked it up, made some big plays. Uh, obviously, the receivers, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson can make big plays and make life easier on any quarterback. Um, I would say for Minnesota, the fourth down that they went for early on in the game was like, that was a definer. I mean, it kept them in it. Um, You know, they definitely got a ton of momentum off of that. And I just think moving forward, like, can Tanner Morgan pick it up and do more for them? Um, That'll be worth watching. And also, like I said, with Ohio State, um, the impact that Zach Harrison had up front was felt greatly. And, uh, you know, they have a young secondary, but I felt like they held their own pretty well.
2: Yeah, for me, honestly, it was just Ohio State doing what they normally do. It's, I mean, every it seems like every year there's just a constant, you know, uh, turnstile of talent that just comes in and just continues to dominate. And and there were some good things to note. I thought uh, with with CJ Stratton, what he was able to get going uh, in the passing game, especially with his connections with Chris Olave. Um, but they they just, uh, you know, it, sometimes they'll they'll get off to a slow start and they can afford that because again, they're Ohio State. And the second half, though, I mean, you know, looking at the third quarter alone with 21 points in that quarter in particular, they're a team that you've got to be, you know, turning on the jets for four full quarters. Because if you just let them, you know, uh, uh, if you just, you know, coast in the second half expecting you're going to get away with the game against a talented team like them, you're done for. I mean, that's just who you're dealing with. And no disrespect to Minnesota, they're a talented team, too. I I like – you know, what they bring you, especially with Ibrahim out of the backfield, um, even though it's very unfortunate because he's unfortunate. now going to be out for the yep. season. Yeah.
0: That's uh, very yeah rough. Uh, that, that's actually where exactly. I was going to kind of lead off into is mm-hmm. what do you guys think of Minnesota's – I don't want to say what are their chances in this conference going forward with the loss of Ibrahim because, honestly, he was the most impressive piece of Minnesota's offense. We kind of yeah. know what Tanner Morgan is at this point. He's been there for four years. You know, he's a a veteran quarterback at this point. You know, he's a known quantity. We know what we're getting. But to see this guy, Muhammad Ibrahim, come out after, you know, with with just that. Honestly, if you guys haven't seen the video, I'm going to suggest if you're squeamish, don't go watch it. If not, go watch it. It, It's one of those kind of crazy sports injuries where – You can actually kind of see what happens, and it was a non-contact injury. You know, he plants his leg, and you can pretty clearly see some sort of uh, ligament or tendon in his leg just pop, and, you know, it it was really kind of gruesome in a way. But for him to have that type of performance, and then you could just lose him. He he had 30 carries, over 150 yards, two touchdowns. He was a difference maker for Minnesota. And to Mm -hmm. be losing him for the rest of the season, that's really, really impactful for them. So what do you guys think of kind of their... You know, I'll just say it like this. What do you guys think of their chances going forward? Is it so completely diminished that it's almost an afterthought, or does Minnesota still have a chance to make a splash?
1: I mean, I love P.J. Fleck, and I think he's the best Mm -hmm. man they got going for them, through it all, no matter what, but... Just from a, a like, talent standpoint, I, I mean, it's it's a big loss. It's tough to overcome for them, I think, especially offensively.
2: Yeah, this is um, – and I, by the way, I think I actually misspoke when I uh, said his first name. I don't know why I said Moses. I think I misspoke when, when I said his first name. I meant to say Muhammad, of course. Uh, um, it, again, very costly loss. I think really he was the guy that they really should have uh, been able uh, – that they, they w- would have been leaning on predominantly moving forward because – you know, I, I don't know what exactly happened with Tanner Morgan, but he has significantly regressed over the last couple of years. I just don't, I don't quite see the same quarterback that we had seen back in 2019, where he had that incredible combination with Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman. This guy it seems like he's a shell of his former self. And again, we're we're talking about a small sample size last year, but. Even against you know uh, Ohio State, who still coughed up 31 points in this game, he wasn't able to get anything going really out, out of the passing game. To to you know, what I mean, like anything go? Just but any like significant traction to to, to really you know uh, become a, a a dangerous threat in the passing game. So I I just I, I'm really concerned about him uh, and his progression. If it was more so a fact of leaning on the talent that he had in previous years or this is a sign for for who Tanner Morgan ultimately is as a quarterback. So I think really that's something that they've got to rectify immediately if they want to turn this season around.
0: Yeah, I'm with you 100% on the thoughts on Morgan. And like you said, and this is exactly where I was going to go into it with him, how much of it is just the overhaul in the amount of talent that they've had at Minnesota, especially Mm -hmm. with their wide receivers? Because... You know, in the last two seasons, even with, like you said, a small sample size out of Morgan, mm-hmm. their talent on the outside on the perimeter was just honestly some of the best in college football. And we're gonna yeah. see that in the NFL going forward. And I I don't think it's 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 gonna be clear that Minnesota has put out some absolutely incredibly talented players. And Tanner Morgan, what it seemed like this offense is kind of turning into especially now that Ibrahim is no longer there, it's going to have to be led by the passing game. And I don't know if Tanner Morgan really has it in his arm Mm -hmm. to do it. It's his overall, I don't want to say lack of arm talent, but it seemed like his play style and the way this team is going to have to go the rest of the season is kind of dink and dunk. They're they're not going to really be Mm -hmm. able to really string together a lot of big plays. They were really leaning on that run game, and this is no disrespect to Trace and Potts because he is a very young player. I think he he will mm-hmm. be good. I think he'll be good. He just needs to start getting more reps under his belt to come in after an injury like what happened to Ibrahim, and then just be given the rest of the workload. That's way easier said than done. Mm-hmm. You know that that's incredibly difficult for any player, mm-hmm. but. I think with all that said, I think I don't want to say Minnesota's out of it. I don't want to say that they are just, that's it for them in the Big Ten. They're done. I I can't say that because they do still have some talent. And at the end of the day, Morgan's a veteran quarterback. If he has learned or retained anything from the last couple years playing in Minnesota, it'll be that he still has some ability to kind of put this team on his back And and make the plays that he needs to. Whether I'm Mm -hmm. sure that he's going to do it or not, well, that's that's where I'm not sure. Yeah, and
2: and I don't mean to knock. I'm not trying to knock the uh, you know Minnesota in terms of uh, being just a downright. irrelevant team completely, I think they'll still be a bowl-caliber team, but I think it's just a matter of can you take them seriously enough to maybe vie for a playoff spot or or maybe even a Big Ten championship? I, I don't know if we can necessarily consider them to be that formidable uh, moving forward. It's just it's a matter of that, that that I think really comes into play of how you really evaluate Minnesota um, as a serious contender.
0: For sure, and, and kind of leaning or, or, or kind of, I don't want to say – Leaning on that, but but drifting away from that into another team that had an interesting quarterback performance this uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> during week one. Interesting is definitely the way that I'm going to go with it uh, to start. <laughs> we'll get into how I really feel about it. Um, <laughs> uh, UNC, the yeah. University of North Carolina, the Tar Heels, came into the season ranked 10th overall, Ugh. which that in itself was kind of like, Okay, I think the the committee or, or the AP, the polls are uh, really trying to tell us something here, and they come <laughs> out in week one, and they were. Look, I'm just gonna say it. They stunk. They were. They were so bad. bad. They were. Really... They were not good at all. It was. It wasn't even fun to watch because you know I, I'm really rooting for for these kids, these these young guys, who are trying to to make it. Mm-hmm. But man. Yeah. They go out and lose to Virginia Tech, and here's my thing with Virginia Tech. VT is one of those schools where every year, every year, they always come Mm -hmm. out, and the one thing that they do is they always play hard. I don't think I've ever seen a Virginia Tech team Mm -hmm. under any coach, especially under their current Mm -hmm. coach. I've never seen them, like, take plays off. I've never seen them, Mm -hmm. you know, really play play. I don't want to say play poorly because they've played poorly, but they've never lacked effort, and this was just a huge Mm -hmm. defensive effort from them, holding Heisman candidate Sam Howell Mm -hmm. to 208 yards, one touchdown, but the big one there, three picks, three turnovers, and and, I mean, 17 to the last one too. Oh, dude, the last one it was so bad and the thing is like <laughs> oh man i'm, I'm gonna kind of chalk it up to a little bit of unc losing so much of their talent to the uh-huh. draft this year yeah because oh, like yeah. look last year that run game was nasty so and the receiving core too. Oh yeah, yeah. Diami Brown, Daz Newsom. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: They both they had the best of both worlds to be honest. I mean, Di- yeah. yeah, Diami Brown, Daz Newsom. Mm-hmm. Who I don't know why the hell my Bears didn't sign, uh, even though we drafted him, <laughs> baffles me. But uh, Javante Williams and Michael Carter. Man, it just the list goes on. You know.
0: Yeah, they just had so much incredible talent last year, and now it's starting to look like okay. Well, what do they have in Sam Howell? Was he a product of that, you know, really high powered offense and that offensive talent around him? Or do they have something that actually is or should be regarded as one of the best young quarterbacks in college football? And then going forward, you know, possibly, you know, a high draft pick to the NFL. Because if every single game is going to be like this, where uh, I'm sorry, he's having to play hero ball, he's having to go out Mm -hmm. there and just say, all right it's me, it's my arm, this is all it has, like, this is just all that I've got to work with. Because he had the most rushing attempts on the team. He had 13 rushing attempts for 35 yards. Uh, I understand that that's not, you know, some crazy stat, but that, in a way, kind of proves that he's having to reflect on on the way the team is right now and say, it's all me. And whether that's Uh, the way he should be looking at it or not is you know can be debated but what do you guys think of Howell just as a prospect after seeing how he's it it looks like how he's gonna have to play the rest of the season
1: I mean it's a loaded question honestly there are a couple things I want to start out by saying I think the play calling and the offensive line did him no favors in this game like the play before the third interception like, I'm sitting there asking myself there's 60 seconds on the clock and they're running the ball. It's like, bad. the play calling was horrible.
0: It was yeah, um, It was so
1: bad. <laughs> and you see some of How's like, raw playmaking ability. Like, he can move well. He does have an accurate arm.
0: Yeah.
1: But the decisions were just so bad. I mean, like, yeah, the offensive line and the play calling did not help. But there were some things that he was just not sharp with in this game.
2: I, hey, you know, I don't want to take a shot because I, I really like, I really do like Tim Hall, yeah. Um, me too. And I don't, I don't think it's fair for people. I, because I, I know so many people out there are going to see this one game, and be like, he's done. D- just don't draft him. Don't <laughs> touch him. He's done. Just get the hell away from it. Like, no, come on, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Let's come on. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. It's one game. It's the beginning of the season. Like you said, Virginia Tech—they're a tough opponent. They don't—they don't shy away from a fight. Okay, mm-hmm. they're a physical team, especially defensively. Look at the crop of uh, defensive talent that they've had come out of there in recent mm-hmm. years. I mean, just talking about Caleb Farley the other day, and you know, he's unbelievable shutdown corner if he can stay healthy. It's just the, a regular occurrence with this team. So, um, I, you know, I, I think they—they—they they, they met a tough match, and this—this this was a weird kind of opening week, I think. In in some ways, I mean, we're going to get to in a little bit uh, uh, talking about Georgia and Clemson, but you know, it just you know, a lot of crazy defensive battles. The D- defense really shined this week. I felt like more so than the offense this week. Maybe that's just me, but I just I felt like there was just a lot of great defensive
0: performance. So, and
1: another game where I feel like the atmosphere definitely probably played an impact. Oh as well, yeah, it was mm-hmm. definitely yeah. yeah. At Virginia Tech, I mean, so I mean it's oh, yeah. so
0: loud. It's so mm-hmm. impactful there. And kind of D- uh, David going off that point, and this is just what I was. Of course, I was watching the game uh, Monday night. I had to. Um, mm-hmm. and they were really talking about this. The the announcers, Kirk Kirk, and them, were talking about um, a lot of coaches are looking at this season and saying, okay, this is going to be a, a defensive season. We're going to see a lot of these defenses come mm-hmm. out and just shock people because one of the biggest things for not just college football but football in general, defense is such a team-oriented kind of skill set that you need to have and they really need to gel these players need to gel they Mm -hmm. need that time to spend together they need to go hang out together they need to even if it's just getting dinner getting lunch watching film together being in the same room with each other that is something that is so underrated and so important and that's why last year it seemed like so many historically good defenses weren't good because Mm -hmm. they they hadn't had that time they hadn't had that level of kind of gel with each other they they didn't have the opportunity to really mm-hmm. meld as a defensive unit mm-hmm. and and that's the big thing that i think people in a way underrate about defensive play mm-hmm. it's not just one guy there isn't just mm-hmm. with a quarterback and a wide receiver that's just two guys and if those two guys mm-hmm. link up consistently you have a functioning offense i'm yeah. like that's just what it is if you have a running mm-hmm. back and you give him the ball consistently, and he's exceptionally talented, that's one guy. You have a semi-functioning offense. You mm-hmm. can't just have one defensive end or one edge rusher or one linebacker. Mm-hmm. That's not a functioning defense. That does mm-hmm. not work at any exactly. level of football. Defense is such a unit kind of group, and that's kind of what defenses across college football this weekend showed. And they said, I understand we weren't great last year. Half the guys on the, on the field – I met him three times. I talked to him on Zoom. That's it. You know, that that's not how you can get a – or whip a defense in a shape, into game shape. And I think that's really going to be something important to watch this season. And, of course, Ryan, you said, oh, that's a loaded question. I had to. Um. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but, but what I was saying earlier, though, is that um, I saw some shades of – and this is going to sound like a total knock, and I, I don't mean it like this, but I saw some shades of almost like Mitch Trubisky – when he was just panic mode, that kind of panic mode where he just—he's trying to make something out of nothing. He's like, "Please, Lord, just take the ball and get it in the receiver's hands if you can, you know." And I—you I, can't—you—you you, got to be wise with that because that—that last interception that was on second <gasps> seven, okay? Oh, yes. I mean, come on, you, you can just take the sack if you have to, you know? Don't give the ball away. You can't
1: do that so well, it's just like i said though the play calling just the play the, calling was yeah, really the, the play calling was suspect I mean, suspect yeah
2: and mac brown you know uh you know he he's got to take accountability for for how this this game um played out because he he, he should have stepped up and it was really shocking too i mean again again mac brown is just you know he's a decorated coach he's a college football hall of famer you know um, you know, it, what he did at Texas with, uh, uh, you know, with, with several quarterbacks, with Vince Young, with, with uh, Colt McCoy, you know, the, the list goes on. He, he's so decorated he's so uh, prestigious in what he can accomplish offensively. Um, I just am disappointed to see, you know, that it turned out immediately. And, and again, it's, it is a tough co- in conference opponent, but I am, I am disappointed to see that they just, they folded over like a cheap suit and it could be, be you know, taking into account the loss of talent, of course, like we had talked about earlier, but, but there are some, you know, talent to like with Josh Downs. I like the, the, the uh, um, the connection that they had throughout the game, but, uh, they, and they also have a new running back who's just transferred from Tennessee as well. So there's, there's what some, was some was chemistry. Ty that... Chandler? I think it was. Yeah. Ty Chandler. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they, they they do need to establish some some chemistry and some cohesiveness. Um, it's the first game of the season. We're going to see some crazy things, as we've already seen. We're going to continue in, in week two, but um, a disappointing start from North Carolina. they are really got to pick up the pace.
0: And uh, speaking of some other uh, crazy performances, raise your hand, class. Uh, raise your hand if you <laughs> thought that UCLA was going to start out the season 2-0. No yeah, I can't, I can't do that. No <laughs> one. Yeah, me neither. Um, Especially against LSU. Yeah, and that was the one of the bigger um, kind of uh, wins for yeah. for any team this week. Mm-hmm. UCLA hosted number sixteen LSU, beat them thirty eight to twenty seven. It was honestly just a super impressive performance by UCLA after absolutely walloping Hawaii last week. Oh and yeah, that game was. <laughs>
1: Yeah, oh yeah I, I'm
2: sure Hawaii, by the way, is missing their glory days because it's been a while, you know, since you you go back to the Colt Brennan days where they yeah. had that then air raid offense and yeah, everything. It was
0: just a good team too, like in general. Yeah, like, there was a lot of talent there. Uh, yeah, we, so it was rough. It's rough that, late, late as of <laughs> lately
2: for Hawaii to say the least. So,
0: and partially yeah. we're talking about this game for for a couple of reasons. First off, we got to give a, a little bit of love to some of these players. Um, UCLA's quarterback is starting off the season tremendously. Mm-hmm. We love, we love Zach Charbonnet. Fantastic. Um come on, guys. Keyson Boutet. Oh. oh my oh. god. Dude, dude I just, I have
2: to take a breather when what? I talk about this guy's performance. He's unbelievable. You guys, He's guys are got lucky. That new
0: number one receiver, you know? You guys are lucky we don't have Craig on the show today. You guys are lucky because I- he would <laughs> be yeah. running around his room right now going absolutely crazy because we're talking about, uh, Boutte, But, um, I, if, if you were on, I'd be like, let,
2: let's just bring it in for a virtual hug right now. God. I know it was a rough week <laughs> one. Just bring it in, what? man. Let's hug it out. Just, just shed some tears if you have to. Cause it was, you got a, it. It was very rough. You know,
0: have got a shoulder if you need it, but <laughs> yeah, t- hey, I'm right here, man. Keep in mind, right here. <laughs> like, look, you, you'll always have Butte. You'll always have Butte this season. Just keep that in that mind. That guy because
2: Comple- complete receiver. He's unbelievable. He's got a combination of strength and speed. Route running is impeccable. The guy brings in catches. He, he's he's their number one playmaker. I think unequivocally so. Oh yeah, he has I mean, to be.
0: Like just his his line for the week: nine catches, yeah. 148 yards, and three scores. And that's, that's not an outlier performance. No, that's a consistent performance for him. That that's yeah. a regular. That's a regular work day for him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the other main thing, the other uh, two main things, I think, to take away from this game, uh, uh, there really isn't a whole, whole lot going on. We have to talk about it a little bit, give a little bit of love to the Bruins, just for Justin. Yeah. He's Just for <laughs> just for Justin. He's not here today, but uh, we. He's, I know he's going to listen to this, and he's going to like that we talked about them. And the little pregame interaction between Coach O and uh, a UCLA fan, I just thought was um, – if you guys haven't seen that, I'm not gonna do my coach o impression. It's bad. It's awful. <laughs> I promise not to torture you guys with that at all this season. <clears throat> I probably might forget this. I might do it later. Um but it it it's got a lot of cookie monster to it. It's like go, go tigers. You yeah, know, it's exactly. like kinda of a little bit like that, you know? You need a, a little more Cajun flair to it though. A little bit of... on here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, the pre game interaction between him and a fan, if you haven't seen it, it's always the best with mm-hmm. a, a true coach O, you know performance um was just just exceptional and it was a lot of fun because even other teams across the mm-hmm. country that wear blue like said stuff about it like i saw um <laughs> i want to say even after the old miss game i think they tweeted out like man we really like wearing our sissy blue shirts <laughs> something like that yeah yeah <laughs> <My God>. he, <laughs> he, he's not
1: afraid
2: man he's a he's a god he's he's so much fun to watch i i'm not an lsu fan i can't oh, coach stand LSU. Can't stand him. But I love I, oh, I love the, the spirit of Ed Orgeron, and I'm so happy to see him do well because I was there, you know, in Mississippi, speaking of Ole Miss, yeah. back in his Ole Miss days, and they were ugly, mm. man. I mean, outside of really Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis, and Patrick Willis, there was nothing no, to watch out for for that Ole Miss team. It was bad. That, those were some dark, dark days in Ole Miss, and it's just it's oh, not I that the, the program's <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would know. Exactly. And it's not the program was in disarray, you know, in terms of like some shady stuff going on behind the scenes or anything like that. He, he He's a great guy, you know, uh, <laughs> not to take shots or anything. But, uh, well, you know, later on, that ended up being yeah. the case. But, you know, um, uh, no, but it, it just it, it just was a matter of just not being able to reel in some wins. And uh, I'm so happy to see him thrive in LSU. I just wanted to say that.
0: Yeah, it, it is. The it, thing is with him, it's always going to be a ton of fun. It's always going to mm-hmm. be something, something going on with him. And speaking of games that are a ton of fun, let's go to one of the night games. We're going to talk a little bit here about Notre Dame and Florida State. Notre Dame ended up taking away an overtime win, 41-38. to And Ryan, I know Gunwell. well. Uh, I'm sure you have some, uh, some interesting takes about this uh, Notre Dame performance. But first off, I just want to lead off saying Jack Cohn was exceptional. He was oh. so good so he good was. this game him that connection with michael meyer is it meyer or mayor i think i think
1: it's mayor i think I mean, it's I mary th- yeah it's probably
0: mayor I, I you know i don't want to you know confuse him with uh, uh any any fictional um <laughs> <laughs> serial killers but uh no his prefer- <laughs> his performance was so good he was absolutely brilliant and i just-
1: did in the country honestly yeah already yeah, he, he, he incredible
0: so good um and honestly the game itself was just fun. I mean it was. you go from Florida State having trouble dealing with Notre Dame all game. You get to the fourth quarter and Florida State just kind of locked it down. I mean an 18 to 0 run in that quarter. Like they I definitely... thought the game was over. Notre Dame oh. went up 38. I thought I was like, <laughs> yeah. it's over. you're not the only one. I thought I was like, "All right, I might be able to change the channel. I see one touchdown." I'm like, "Oh, wait a second. And this is getting a little more interesting." Um <laughs> but what do you guys think from this game like what do you guys think overall uh, out of the performance from Notre Dame because they're obviously you know after last season uh you know making it to the playoff and and playing pretty well the, the entire season what do you guys think of this as like a first performance after uh, a really strong season like that
1: I thought it was I mean Obviously, an underwhelming, like I said, fourth quarter, but I feel like they did show some good things throughout the game. Um, it was a good mix, obviously, between the run and the pass. I mean, Kyron Williams did some good things. I think he's an exciting prospect, uh, like you said, uh, with Mayer and what he was able to do. I had a couple of drops, but you see just his ability to win, his athletic ability, and really from a draft standpoint, one player that's got to be talked about is Kyle Hamilton. I mean, oh, he is just, God. He unbelievable! a range, a length the ball skills. I mean, he he is a game changer for that defense. I
2: totally echo that sentiment one hundred percent. Um was it was it the first interception that he had that where he was diving on the sideline to keep his feet in bounds? I think The so. second, I mean, second
1: one. one was the one where he had the range all the way across the field. Yeah. That's right. I mean I that guy is that one. Okay. that one
2: was that guy is unreal. He is yeah. unreal. I think he has to be a, a top fifteen pick. I, I could easily see concerning his size, I'd say maybe even top ten, honestly. Yeah. He's that I mean, talented. He's like,
1: he is the range of like makeup Fitzpatrick and Justin Simmons, who are both yeah. tall, and he's like even taller and bigger. So Exactly. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's like, like the, yeah, makeup two you know? He is an yeah.
0: athletic freak. Like he no. is just
2: he if is the Terminator, he's the T one thousand man. He's he's just unreal. <laughs> that guy is just he's he's a man amongst boys. So I, I, I mean, absolutely agree with that.
0: For for the people that don't know exactly how big this guy is, keep in mind he's a safety, not a linebacker. Yeah. He is a safety, he's like and he, four, is, right? he is six four and two hundred and twenty pounds. And he can run. And, and, oh, oh, yeah. and he, he is fast. He is fast, so fast. I mean. And the thing is, it's like we're seeing a lot of guys that that were safeties, like true safeties, in the, mm-hmm. the collegiate ranks, getting to the NFL and kind of being kind of morphed into this kind of middle linebacker, kind of kind of defensive quarterback type role. I don't know with this guy's just, like with Hamilton's range,
2: yeah, because we know we know range. he's
0: going, we know he's uh, going, yeah. yeah, he can't, yeah. yeah, with the, yeah. You can't make it be a linebacker, can you? Like, nah. he's got to be I mean, safety with him there, but but his range is just maker. so he's exceptional.
2: You know. I'm, I'm interested to see what they what what uh, coaches end up doing with him when he, he moves to the NFL because with college, I think they're so f- much more flexible about where they can put guys in certain places that, that they allow you to if you're if you know you, you know like if you have a position that you've shown you you're, you're able to thrive in, you know despite maybe being an outlier in terms of uh, uh, your physical size, you can fit that mold, but like when you go to the NFL, there's a certain niche that they follow. There's a certain um, style that they follow in terms of where they want their players to to be because of their size, because of their 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 athleticism and so on and so forth, because of their strength. Um, so you know, because of his size, it's such an outlier to see someone at at six four be you know the safety like he is, and you know you don't see that quite as often. I mean, think about the number of, of six four safeties there on the league. Uh, you know, it, it's you're not going to find very many. So. Um, I I hope to see him be that guy, be that one guy who is as a safety. They don't have to say, Hey, go add on 30 pounds. Cause he's like listed at only 220, mm-hmm. go add 30 pounds and play linebacker. Like that's just a little bit. Uh, uh, that's a little too much adversity or a little little too much of um, an obstacle for someone to, to, to put on someone, even if you feel that, well, okay, he's tall and he could be a good fit there. He's already doing exceptional things at his current spot. So just let him play his position. If you ask me, he was outstanding. Um, I I do think they need to, to air things out uh, a little bit, uh, uh, air some uh, uh, issues out uh, defensively in terms of rectifying certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, Bad. Yeah, the run defense was pretty bad. I mean, Florida State, you know, uh, uh, Corbin himself, uh, just yeah. 144 yards on the ground, uh, uh, just absolutely. I, I think Jacobs' oh. from and 4 in total. Ugh. A little rough. And-, and I know Florida State, listen, I like, you know, Mike uh, um, you know, uh, momentum he's he's got going into this year. Now that he's got, you know, we're, we're finally post-COVID in terms of that halting the season or that affecting the season. So we can start to get a, an idea of what, what he can bring to the table um, as their head coach. Um, but uh, still, like I think that, you know, uh, Notre Dame, if they want to be taken seriously. Cause it, a lot of people call them the pretenders and I'm no knock towards you, Ryan, cause I know you're a big Notre Dame guy, but it's like so often, th- th- you know, you say, yeah, they've got the potential to be a national title contender. And I, I love Notre Dame. I love watching them play, but, then they, they, you know, towards the end of the season, they kind of fall down, uh, um, you know, as as thing as the going starts to get tough. So, you know, I'm really eager to see how they can build that defensively. Offensively, they've got to feel great. They've got to feel yeah. great, especially mm-hmm. with Jack Cohn oh, coming out of Wisconsin. You know, what's, gone? what's that? he was underwhelming there I mean, he, he was underwhelming yes and i also think at the same time though wisconsin it, they don't do a great job at developing quarterbacks right, There, I was about right. saying, they really don't not
0: a pass game type of no. school yeah. they are a heavy run yeah. offense if you want to of run offense you want some yeah. smash mouth football go watch you some wisconsin yeah. football that's what you need to do yeah it's it's yeah. crazy yeah and i just need to echo that because Cone was exceptional. He was, he was. so good. 26 to 35 yeah. for almost 400 yards, four scores and a, and a pick. And honestly, his pick, it wasn't, you know, some awful, like, you know, trying to trying to squeeze it in, in too tight a space or anything like that. You know, it, it was just one of those plays, you know, where it just turns up in, in a defender's hands.
2: Yeah. But I love the development of him. Um, I think he's really got some great chemistry he established with Mayer. Um, you know, with 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 the receiving core as a whole, honestly, because he was really doing a great job of spreading the ball around. Everyone got their fair share. You know, multiple guys caught eighty yards or more. Three different guys within their receiving core. So um, I, I really like. Uh, that he was able to spread the ball out and and really get his entire team involved. Because, um, yeah, like we said, with Wisconsin, they just don't develop a ton of quarterbacks. A lot of the best running backs have come, that have gone into the NFL have come out of Wisconsin. Melvin Gordon, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor, for instance. Uh, you know, uh, years ago with Monte Ball when they had him, too. Uh, the, again, numerous, numerous guys. James White came from there, too. Um, so just to see him now go and you know within a program that, that does a better job of honing a quarterback skill set, we've really gotten to see what he's capable of, and I, I feel very confident what he brings to the table. I do think they do need to air things out defensively because outside of Kyle Hamilton, um, I, the, the, you know they've got a lot of talent, but but no one I expect to be a consistent uh, 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 threat that will execute their duties regularly quite like I feel like he will.
0: And kind of with that, I think that kind of wraps up really what we saw out of this game because it, just a little hint on Florida State, we're just not, I'm just not sure what they're going to end up doing, especially offensively. They, you know, came alive at the end of the game scoring scoring those points late. But other than that, it was kind of all over the place. It, it was kind of a mess. You know, you really were, you know, no one was really sure what they were seeing out of Excuse me, out of Jordan Travis, when Mackenzie Milton came in, we, we kind of talked about this. It really lit a fire under everybody, and it kind of uplifted that team. But speaking of awesome defensive performances, we have one more game from Week 1 that we wanted to talk about, we wanted to cover, and that is the the heavyweight matchup of the weekend. Number 5, Georgia, and number 3, Clemson from South Carolina – the georgia bulldogs the sec goes into the clemson's backyard and comes away with a paltry 10 to 3 win you know that's the, yeah that's really not yeah. what everybody was expecting to see where the know. hell did that come from <laughs> <laughs> honestly you don't see too many 10 to
2: 3 games no. in college football especially you know?
1: six, three, two top five teams exactly yeah. exactly it,
2: it, and even if they are great defensive programs, still you'd expect more than than, than single-digit points. points, you know, totals total from points. from Clemson. We're talking about. I mean, they had the number one overall pick as a quarterback
0: last year. What do you? What the hell are you doing? Uh you know? not protecting the new guy is clearly <laughs> yeah. what their decision yeah. was. They're like, sorry, DJ. Uh, we know. We know your buddy Trevor only got sacked fourteen times total last year. Yeah, we'll just let you have seven on your head right right, right now. And I, I feel like part of that really has to be credited to Georgia's defense because, man, they were good. They were flying. They were all over the place. And it wasn't just, you know, in this front seven, which honestly might be one of the best front sevens that I saw oh, yeah. all weekend, arguably oh, yeah. one of the best in college football mm-hmm. this season. They were exceptional. They were so good just watching them pretty much just run over Clemson's offensive line over – and over, and over again. And then their secondary just, I mean, they held Clemson receiving to a total of 178 yards,
1: which... I mean, they didn't even get Justin Ross going in the game.
0: No, he had yeah. four he had, he had four catches for 26 yards, which four catches, some some receivers, a lot uh, can turn that into a mm-hmm. huge gain. But against a defense like this, mm-hmm. man, that's so much more difficult. I mean, if we want to talk about the, how good this defense was... Just look at Clemson's rushing numbers. Oh, I
2: can, oh,
0: I can, wrestle. I can count how many rushing yards they had on a single hand. <laughs> two for the audio for the audio people. I'm holding up two fingers right now because Clemson only had a total of two rushing yards. And, and, this, yeah, is, and it, this is oh, this is the first time kn- like known for their offense. Like that's what yeah. they do. They score points, yeah. and they didn't.
2: Yeah. I, I, just unbelievable. I, two total rushing yards, negative 19 through the first three quarters. They had to get 21 to to, to make up for the, the, the negative amount in the fourth quarter alone. I mean, that's embarrassing. I think it was like the first time in 80 years that they've allowed – was it 80 years that they've allowed uh, less than um, th- th- that few – or like there was the fewest amount of rushing yards they've allowed in like 80 years. So anytime Ridiculous. you're like – yeah it's the first time in 80 years and it's a bad thing i mean yeah. like that's 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 as depressing as it gets you know i mean if it was like 20 years ago or something like that it wasn't too long ago like at least you say hey you know it this didn't happen that long Aww. ago like you know y'all remember that right like we don't remember what the hell happened 80 years, 80 ago. years ago like no one was alive back then you know so oh, uh, um yeah it's just it, absolutely ugly uh coming from from clemson all around. Uh, no. Protection whatsoever now I, I, at the same time. I did want to see D.J. Uyunga uh really Make some some better more decisive decisions, but you know improve like we know he's a cannon of an arm He's a five star he's like a oh, five-star yeah. recruit coming into to Clemson um, but there were some touch throws where I felt like he could have been a little more accurate on that that kind of fell on him and I'm not trying to knock him. I just felt that, you know, when, when he had those a- opportunities to capitalize and he wasn't getting, you know, facing significant duress, That th- there could have been some some moments where he could have really executed um, uh, uh, and, and just gotten something going offensively because it wouldn't have taken much to tie this game. I mean, no. the, <laughs> it was a one possession game and you just need to put up one touchdown and you couldn't even do that. So um again very very ugly from Clemson I, but you can't say it was that much prettier uh from Georgia, from Georgia no. either you really couldn't it was and wasn't uh, you know JT Daniels man I, I you know I'm I'm interested to see what he does this year because you know I was I was I was you know I'm 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 someone who's a very like I'm a big gamecocks fan but I'm also a, a supporter of the, the, the Trojans as well. So both USC's, to be honest. And when he was at USC, man, it was ugly. Like, it was really, really bad. And we had to get, um, you know, at that point, you know, uh, Keaton Slovis to come pick up the pace and just, just, you know, keep this team afloat, really, because he was just not getting anything done remotely well uh, from the passing game. Uh, you know, I wonder if, about his decision-making, his capability of throw, making downfield throws. He, he did have a good start through four games last year. Um, I'll give him that for sure, but I don't know. I I just, it's such a small sample size. How much can we see? I'm not saying I don't believe in him. I'm not saying I don't like him. He seems like he, you know, a lot of guys support him within that locker room and everything, and uh, he's a likable guy, but I just, I want to see more from him. This is going to be very, very interesting. They may have to lean on that defense to really uh, 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 reel in a lot of those wins
1: because the passing game, I think it's highly suspect. And to follow up on that, I think Georgia—the three players in the front seven that need to be discussed here Kobe Dean, obviously Georgia, you alluded to Adam Anderson and Jordan Davis. I mean, they have three. In terms of a draft lens, they probably have three, maybe top fifty prospects between them right there. And yeah, they all made yeah. their impact felt in this game. They combined for five tackles for a loss. Were very impactful, and that—that's probably going to be you know how they win games this season with that front.
0: Yeah, I think going Most forward, definitely. that's that's just got to be Georgia's game plan. And yep. this needs to be kind of a, a week-in, week-out type of thing where this defense has to put together really strong performances. And that's nothing against, you know, Georgia's offense because at the end of the day, even though JT Daniels didn't throw for any touchdowns, uh, he threw only one pick. The pick, again, it, it wasn't any, you know, sort of crazy, awful decision. But he was relatively accurate. You know, they they ran. He was 22 of 30, so just around that 70-ish percent mark. But the 135 yards, it it just seemed like they were lacking in terms of kind of that breakaway ability where, Mm -hmm. you know, receivers and running backs weren't really breaking away from tackles. They weren't kind of making that transition upfield. And those are the type of things that if you play, let's just say. In Alabama, for instance, no, not because they're the number one team in the country, uh-huh. um, and, <laughs> and, and they're going to have to play them if they end up in the SEC championship game. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It's just as simple as that. Yeah, You're not going to be able to put up 10 points and win that game. Uh, I think it's as simple yeah. as that. So that really does have to be the game plan for Georgia going forward. And kind of with going forward in mind, let's take a look at, there are only three really... Um, I don't want to say impactful, but really kind of motivating games this this coming week. Uh, a lot of, you know, your cupcakes, your non-conference games that really aren't super, I don't want to say aren't super interesting, but kind of ones that you're expecting a certain outcome and it's very much more than likely that that's going to be the outcome. So, the three games we kind of picked out for the first one, let's just do a quick kind of preview of number 12, Oregon of the Pac 12, visiting number three, Ohio State in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, right now, we've got Ohio State as a 14.5 point favorite in this game. Um, I'll be completely honest with you guys. Uh, I'm still not sold on Oregon's secondary. I'm not sold on their defense, um, yeah. especially especially against C.J. Stroud and Chris Olave. I think Stroud in his first home, or is it his first home game? Um, Yeah. Yes, it is. Excuse me. Yes, they were Mm -hmm. at Minnesota last week. In his first home game, I think he's just going to put on a show. I think he's going to really show off that arm, show off that athleticism. Uh, I say Ohio State wins and covers the spread. Yeah, I
1: think I'm with you on that, George. It's just going to be a matter of like how. First of all, Kayvon Thibodeau's health. I mean, where mm-hmm. he's at. I think. Yeah, forgot about is that this game, and really, like you said, outside of Hell Wright, like the rest of that Oregon secondary, how they hold up against Olave, Wilson, Jeremy Rucker. You know that that'll definitely be uh, worth watching.
2: Yeah, I I, I have to echo your statement. I, I I totally think that that Ohio State is is definitely going to cover the spread. They're, they're really there's just. They're too well-rounded. I mean, we talk about the big, the big four programs, arguably that are regularly the, the most talented in in the entire country. Are arguably uh, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and, and probably Oklahoma is the number four team. Uh, uh, you, you know, it's it just and what makes them so great is because they have again the versatility necessary to be a title contender. And and I just think that's where Oregon lacks and why, you know, it's a little harsh to call them a pretender, but maybe you'd have to because it, it just there's a lot of question marks with them defensively. They got some playmakers offensively. I like C.J. Verdell. I think he's a solid running back. Uh, you know, he's, he's a physical force back in the backfield out there. Um, you know, just a couple years ago, uh, back, back in 2019, he fall, uh, you know finished up a 1,000-yard campaign and expect him to have big things going into this year as well. Um, but I, I just, you know, again, you know, the, the, again, the, you know, the, the quarterback situation is brand new as well. Um, uh, I just, the, the, you know, some guys obviously left defensively too from, from you know, you know, last year um, that 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 went to the draft, and they, they do have some talent defensively. Don't get me wrong, but it's just, you know, it, it, it always has kind of been their biggest strength as a program to execute their duties offensively, and I think we're going to see a repeat performance uh, uh, going into this year as well, and and against Ohio State, I mean you're really going to have to bring your A game to the utmost degree. Uh, and on and in all aspects, for four straight quarters, And if you let up one bit, they're going to come back and bite you bad.
0: Mm-hmm. Moving over uh, a state or two, we have number 10, Iowa, visiting number nine, Iowa State. In Ames, Iowa, this one. This one is always so hard to predict because for the last, man, I don't even know how long. Both of these teams have been really solid. You know, Mm -hmm. Iowa always leaning on that hard-hitting defense and tough, tough run game. They had a great week one. Iowa State is honestly, in a way, uh, an up-and-coming program. You know, the last couple years they've had really, really strong campaigns. And, you know, it's really just going to be – to me, it's going to come down to the Iowa defense versus Brock Purdy. If Brock Purdy can put together another efficient performance, I mean, last week he went 21 of 26 for just under 200 yards, no scores, but that's the type of performance that in a way can win you football games at the collegiate level. If your quarterback is protecting the ball well and is efficient, you can put talent around him to where they can win football games. The spread is Iowa State is favored by four and a half. Um, This one is so tough. This one is really, really tough. Um, I will give Iowa State the win, but Iowa covers that four and a half. I think this is a tight game to the end, and we saw a lot of tight games in week one. Uh, As we were talking about with the defenses, I think the defense will come through, but that offense for Iowa just won't really have that extra punch to it.
1: And the follow up on your point there about Iowa State's offense, George. I mean, they do have the talent around Brock Purdy with Brees Hall, with mm-hmm. two tight ends, Charlie Collar and Chase Allen. So, if they can really just make things easier for him, like I think Iowa State really has a good chance to win this game.
2: Yeah, I, I think Iowa State has to to come away with this. It's going to be a tight game. I mean, it's you, you I know. It, this is a, a a legitimate rivalry we have uh you know to, yep. to, that we've got in store for this upcoming weekend so um i'm just certainly going to keep my eyes glued to this but i think with brock purdy and Bryce hall who i believe led the entire nation last year in rushing yards with like 1500 he was outstanding as a power back and, and they've consistently uh brought out some great uh great running backs um Uh, over the recent years but i think really that one-two punch with that quarterback and the running back and what they bring uh uh uh, to the table it's it's going to be a little too much for iowa to overcome because iowa state's just a a, a very good uh uh mirroring image of what iowa can accomplish defensively too so there's that you have to take into account and i just think there's just that you get you you know it's great to have a defense and it's great to have a solid run game but what iowa state brings to the table it's It's even more solid of a run game and a definite solid uh, definite solidification at the quarterback spot, and that's a big question mark that I think Iowa needs to overcome if they want to come away with it.
0: Definitely. And last but certainly not least, I think this game will surprise people. I think it'll be a little bit more interesting than a lot of people are predicting. Number 15, Texas, under new head coach Sarkeesian, travels to Fayetteville, Arkansas to play – in what might end up being one of the matchups that they have year in and year out with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, Texas comes into this uh, as a 6.5-point favorite after Arkansas. I'll be honest, they struggled a bit in Week 1. They they had a little bit of trouble with the Rice Owls, uh, but at the end of that game, Arkansas's talent just came through, and, and they ended up winning and covering that spread. Texas kind of had their way with uh, Louisiana Lafayette with the Ragin' Cajuns. This one is another one that's really difficult for me to pick because I was, in a way, really impressed by K.J. Jefferson, Arkansas's new quarterback. He was extremely dynamic. He was a lot of fun to watch. He's he's very fast. He's so fast. But his arm talent and decision-making in the air was a bit questionable. Only um, completed just around 50% of his passes for 130 yards and a touchdown and a pick. Um, They're going to lean heavily on their run game with Traylon Smith. And But on the other hand, Texas has a new offense that they're running under Hudson Card and, and Steve Sarkeesian. I think Texas's offense is just going to be a little bit too much for Arkansas in this game. Uh, I take Texas to win and cover the spread.
1: I'm with you, George. I mean, I definitely, definitely like Sark and what he can bring offensively, and I think that's from a talent standpoint. I like Arkansas, but I think Texas just gets them in this one.
2: Yeah. It, it, what we saw, I think it, it, it's a good sign to at least, I mean, it, yeah, it was a, it was a game they should have won by a wider margin, but at least we saw some good things from them offensively to still put up 38 points, uh, uh nonetheless, um, uh, you know, against Louisiana and week one. So, um, I like what they, they, they've got going from them, especially in the ground game with Bijan Robinson. He's, he's outstanding. I think he's going to be a very good compliment uh, to this offense. Um, I, I I, I think you have to leave on Steve Sarkisian. I really like his his mind offensively, and it seems like he's got, you know, everything together personally too, which is great over the last few years because mm-hmm. um, obviously that was a big storyline with him at USC. Um, and now he's taken on a new head coaching job. Good for him. Uh, and he's got his first first win as a head coach since, uh, uh, you know, back in his USC days. So I, I, I believe in him uh, and what he what he's capable of, capable of from an offensive play calling standpoint. Um, I think you have to lean them. I, I don't trust their defense quite as much uh, um, to, 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 you know, to really do a, a diligent job of, of, of really suppressing uh, um, suppressing Arkansas offensively. But but I think really what they've got um, from an offensive standpoint with Steve Sarkeesian, uh and the quarterback and the running back, uh, um, even even if they are new, um, to really just get the job done and and, and execute when when necessary.
0: All right, I want to say uh let me take another quick scan. I don't I don't think there are any other really um outstanding games coming up uh in week 2. Nothing is really kind of sticking out to me. There is the story going on with Yukon which I uh, I really don't want to get into right now. There's so so many question marks going on with uh Edsel. Um you know, uh, I'm just really not sure of, of that situation. If more comes out, uh, of course, you know we'll be we'll we'll be sure to tie that in. But with all that said, thank you guys so much for watching and listening uh, the OTH football podcast. Before just before we head out, I want to remind everybody of our sponsor, Symbol. Sports betting is great, fantasy football is great, and the stock market is great in all ways that you can make some money. So if you go to Symbol and use our promo code O-T-H, that is O-T-H, you can get a $10 deposit bonus on any deposit of $25 or more. Uh, Thank you to Symbol for sponsoring the O-T-H football podcast. That is it from us. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Peace. Take care, care, guys.